everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Addict in the Attic. I'm Dan, and I'm here to chat to you about my life of addiction and my road to recovery. Thanks for joining me. Hello, and welcome to episode two of Addict in the Attic. Last episode, I was explaining literally that I'm an addict, uh, talking in my attic uh, about all things to do with uh, sobriety, alcoholism, recovery, and really just giving my story on uh, how it's going. Uh, as I said, I'm really early in recovery. I'm only just over a year. This episode, I'm going to concentrate on some hints and tips to uh, help people who would like to get sober stay sober uh, in their first year of sobriety. Uh, because without sugarcoating it, it's that's very difficult, the first year. Uh, I'm sure... People would say third year, fourth year, fifth year. I don't know anything about that at this point. So that might be even more difficult. But for me, the first year is difficult because there's a lot of firsts. It's a year obviously full of firsts. And I think I'll focus on um, Christmas because, you know, in in Australia, in Perth, Christmas is uh, a big time for drinking. So that's probably something I'll draw analogies from and um, give examples of because that's, that's pretty challenging. Uh, going through your first sober Christmas as an alcoholic. Uh, just the title, Attic in the Attic, that's kind of more to it than I, I let on in the first episode. It, literally, it is me in the attic, but I think for me, an attic is somewhere where you store your stuff that you don't really want to, th- you can't bring yourself to throw away, and, but you know it's really junk, pretty much, or you... Uh, don't really need it and I guess for me that's kind of uh, what my drinking was it's I knew I didn't need it I couldn't have it it was going to kill me but I couldn't really bring myself to say goodbye to alcohol which I think is it's a real problem because um, you know you form this massively important bond and I think in in uh, some future podcasts I might talk about just that relationship with alcohol how it becomes more important than any other and it certainly did for me at the expense of all other relationships. And for me, the attic was getting so full, cluttered, uh, it was pouring out the manhole and it was going to take over my life and uh, really destroy everything. So there is a figurative uh, meaning to the title as well. So, as I said, Christmas. Uh, for me, it was one of the best Christmases of my life, uh, 2000, uh, 2019. I'm not exaggerating by saying it was probably the best Christmas I've had since childhood. Uh, and, you know, it's not always going to be like that, of course, in sobriety. Um, life goes on. What I'd like to talk about is those moments where you're full of anxiety and it's really hard um, and what we can do to make those more bearable so that you can push through to that uh, point where you've made it and you are fully basking in the glow of having a sober experience and no guilt, shame and remorse, no hangover, uh, no blackout that you can't recall, no phantom injuries, no lost wallet, keys, phone. Uh, yeah, there's just none of that regret. I mean, for me, an example, Christmas Eve is, is, was huge for me as a drinker, one of the biggest nights of the year. Uh, you know, it went from being a kid excited on for Christmas and Santa coming to uh, a young adult who just couldn't wait to get smashed and, and what a great excuse because everyone was doing it. But I recall one Christmas Eve, I was uh, at a hotel and drinking heavily. And uh, I had in one hand a jug full of vodka and orange. And I was in this, on the second story of this hotel. And I, I ran and 
you know, I pretended to my friends that I was going to end it all and, and ran and jumped off the balustrade or the stairwell, intending to grab on with one hand onto the railing and um, pretend I'd jumped off. But of course, I missed uh, being, you know, fully cut, not half cut, and fell two stories to the floor below, glancing a girl on the way down. And praise God I didn't kill her uh, or myself. But that was Christmas Eve. I got carted away in an ambulance and then fronted up to my girlfriend's house, um, rather bruised and but amazingly not broken, but more importantly, not having hurt anyone else too seriously. And it was kind of just laughed off and and just, I was drinking again after lunch the next day. And, you know, often I would rock up on Christmas, hung over, I wasn't even hung over. I'd be still drunk and, you know, you'd wake up and have a champagne and orange and kick it off again, a uh, festival of drinking. And food to me was just, it got in the way. It was just something that stopped me drinking more and I just couldn't wait to everyone to leave the table so we could all start just, you know, getting into the drinking in earnest again. Uh, so Christmas uh, number one in sobriety was a real challenge and I, I was full of anxiety. Uh, I was lucky I went down to Margaret River to visit my sister and, you know, there was drinking down there. And one of my other tips is to pack an esky. Pack an esky when you go to these gatherings. I don't suggest going to parties, full like full-blown parties, because that's just asking for trouble. And quite frankly, parties are piss-ups. People are there to get hammered. So you do sort of stand out if you're not drinking at a full-on party. I'm kind of lucky as a 47-year-old uh, father of three and husband that I don't go to too many parties, and I wouldn't at this stage. I've, I've actually turned down a couple because it's just I'm not there yet. Uh, I, I am getting to a point where it's a lot easier to be around drinkers, uh, definitely. But this Christmas, just gone, was uh, 2019, was, you know, it was fantastic. I was helping cook in the kitchen. I was, I was playing with the kids. I was able to just jump in the car and go to the beach take the kids when they were keen to go, to go, you know. Most Christmases I'm, I'm drunk 90% of the time, really probably over the limit for the whole entire thing. So, you know, just to have your freedom of your car back is an amazing thing. And, yeah, just building connections with my family, not waking up and just being able to stay for longer. You know, I'd often just be so hungover and ruined that I'd have to sort of leave back for home with my tail between my legs, just wanting to get the hell out of there. Knowing everything that had happened, um, building bonds, you know, it's cliched, but it, it's the real thing about Christmas. That's what it's really there. I mean, is it is it really about drinking? No, it's not. Somehow, somewhere along the line, it became about that. And I'm not for an instant saying that it's easy and you can just walk in there and go, oh, it's, it's all merry and festive and about connections. It's, it's really challenging. And I was lucky enough to go to uh, find an AA group down in Margaret River and just, and they're everywhere, of course, and just rocked in. I was late because their time was wrong in the pamphlet that they had. But, uh, you know, to be able to go into a room of strangers and just they're my brothers and sisters, they're my tribe, and be able to share, listen, and have them know that they kind of had my back. We were all feeling anxious. There was uh, tension in the room. We all knew it was Christmas Eve. We all knew we were going to struggle with the next day. But uh, we gave each other strength uh, in numbers and just knowing that you're not alone. So for so long, I just thought that I had a problem and I was a weirdo and I just couldn't handle my piss and I was, you know, just a fool and embarrassed to be who I was. But, you know, to be amongst others who are the same, have the same affliction and realise that it's not just this thing that I've got that 
I can't handle that we've all got it and we can help each other through it and handle it. Uh, it was it was wonderful and it was the best Christmas I can remember since I was a child. So I think it's a good thing to go and take on challenges like things that uh, in the past were related to drinking. My advice isn't to go and head-on challenge everything that, that you um, where you used to drink, going to the pubs and bars and stuff like that. It's not a good idea. But, you know, go to a restaurant in, in a pub if, if you think you can handle it. With gatherings, my other big tip would be to pack an esky. So often people try to struggle through sobriety just with water. I mean, you know, Wally Water, boring as batshit. Like, have good drinks. One thing I like to do is go to the shops and I've discovered the, you know, soft drink aisle of Coles and Woolies. IGA, you know, I've had to say goodbye to, uh, you know, the camel, thirsty camel, and um, I can't even remember their names now. There you go. Because those places are dead to me now. They're gone. And that, that's something I just have to accept. I had a mourning period where it was really sad that I wouldn't be, you know, a kid in a candy shop in those liquor stores anymore. Be kind to yourself. Go into those soft drink aisles. I've discovered like San Pellegrino, uh, Chinito drinks, and um, of course there's kombucha. You know, treat yourself to a Coke or, you know, a four-pack of Red Bull. You know, you don't want to get addicted to that stuff, obviously. Uh, We've got addictive personalities, so it's possible. But don't be harsh on yourself either. I mean, how much money would you drop on a Friday night? Like one round with your mates, you're talking 40 bucks. So you look at these soft drinks and go, oh, geez, they're expensive, but far out. They're nothing compared to what you're dropping on grog. So treat yourself, pack a really nice esky full of ice, bitterly cold drinks. And I like to rock up to a gathering and be the guy with the coolest drinks in the party. Like my drinks, are people are jealous of my drinks. My drinks are awesome. They're kind of getting sick of their beer five in. And my drinks are just coming out left, right and centre. I don't really show off about my drinks. I'm talking it up a little bit, but you know what I mean. Just So you look forward to going and getting the next one. You know, maybe it's a it's an iced coffee and then it's, uh, you know, you've got a Red Bull and then you go back to just maybe a couple of sodas or just soda water. But then, then you have another good drink up your sleeve just so it's not this awkward thing where you're standing around, everyone's cracked their first drink and you're like, dreading this bit. You've got some cool drinks that you love and and often it distracts people from, well, why aren't you drinking alcohol? Because you've got these weird and wonderful drinks anyway. That works for me and I still do that, of course. That's that's something I, I love to do now. And it takes that pressure off. As an alcohol, like, I would just... Oh, the packing of the esky was... It was everything. My poor wife wouldn't be allowed to put anything in there because I'd have to have my two bowls of wine, you know, some soda water from a scotch. You know, I used to drink. Uh, I'd buy two bottles of white wine and a bottle of scotch on a Thursday or Friday, and I'll talk about in a later podcast how I'd use those bottles to pretend I wasn't drinking as much and all the uh, trickery and conniving that goes with being an alcoholic. Yeah, the esky was just my domain. It was, I'd, and I'd take a big esky, you know, full of my alcohol. I wouldn't give it to the host. It would it would stay in my box, and I, I knew exactly how much I had, and it's exhausting. So now I just pack a small esky with a few good drinks, and away you go. Uh, really helps me a lot. You know, you've got to avoid certain situations, things that you, if you're really anxious about going, maybe don't go, you know, do something else. But for goodness sake, don't do nothing, like... For me, getting out there and doing stuff was really important, whether it be um, learning an instrument or jogging or any form of sport or just walking, walking along the beach. Just when you feel that tension building and you're like, I need a drink, uh, go and do something. Do something, anything. Don't throw yourself back into 
really dangerous situations. What's the saying is, if you hang around a barber long enough, you're going to get a haircut. So don't you know, don't go back to your old habits of, of um, pubs and things like that. And I'll talk a bit later as well about the habits and how you know you build these connections with drinking and certain activities and how you can break those. Those when you do confront situations like Christmas, like I'm saying, Christmas Eve. Uh, and you do break it, break that habit, and you get through the other side, it is so empowering. It makes you feel really, really wonderful. And to be honest, your year of firsts can be really daunting, but it can also be the most wonderful year you've had for a long, 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 long time. That's that's something that you can look forward to and just stay strong as, as, as well as you can. I find the chips in AA really help, little rewards along the way. You know everyone in AA has got your back. You go in and collect your chips at some meetings. So if you can find a meeting where you get chips, to me that really helped. It might not help for everyone, but I liked to be rewarded for my hard work. So getting these medallions meant a lot to me, and still does. Um, and they get more spaced as you go along, but early days you get them quite often. And we're stubborn people, alcoholics, and it kind of helps you just, I don't want to lose those chips. Of course you can. You can start drinking then drop back and have to start again. That's part of it it's not failing it's just learning and uh, I'm luckily enough I haven't done that yet but if I did then you know I'd have to I'd go in there and I'd pick up my 24-hour chip again and start start again and I know plenty have done that and that's that's something that's a real possibility I've had nightmares about it I've in my nightmares I've just sort of woken up and pretended it didn't happen like in in the dream I'm like no 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 one knows and I actually have met a guy who who said he just kept collecting his chips um, even though he'd drunk again and he, that's one of the things he's most ashamed of so you know it's part of it knowing that you, you try and maybe you don't succeed and you try again I think that's a big part of it but reward yourself along the way really important to give yourself a pat on the back you know it's hard and it's a really brave thing to do and you need to give yourself some goals I certainly am a little bit goal driven in that regard and having supportive people around you they'll also reward you I mean my uh, wife bless her she rewarded my one year sobriety with a a skydive which was awesome and uh you know you can do stuff like that you got extra money my bucket list you know i'm starting to tick a few things off i rewarded myself uh by booking in a a great white shark dive to the neptune islands in south australia unfortunately due to covid it's been cancelled so i've rolled it over for april so fingers crossed that'll happen but something I've always wanted to do and as a drunk it was never going to happen I talked it up and talked about it but it was never actually going to happen I've just found this year things are just happening this podcast for instance like I wouldn't have done it at all in my drunken life you have those anxious moments where you need to do something that can be organizing a trip or or reward or just picking up a guitar or something like that you know just break that feeling of needing a drink but make sure you reward yourself for your hard work because your loved ones might but you've got to reward yourself you've got to give yourself a pat on the back and and work towards goals to help you another thing is uh, going to meetings is really really helpful in in your first year Uh, you know and I've been to meetings with I say on 90 meetings in 90 days and you've got to be getting to this and that and that it it can be very overwhelming Uh, and the steps to me I, I was getting to two a week I've actually I'm pretty bad at the moment I've not going to many at all so I feel like a bit of a bad AA member at the minute but uh, 
the fellowship's always there early on, just going in there and listening to stories. It, it builds up your strength. It really does. So the rooms, find a good room where you're comfortable. And I'll talk a bit about that in the next episode, the sort of misconceptions or perceptions of AA. I know I had some, very different to what they really are. So that's obviously something that really can help uh, being able to talk with um, you know, your tribe, finding a tribe and being able to talk. Really just getting out not staying at home. If you feel like you have to stay at home for a little bit and just, just to keep your sobriety going, then that's what it's all about. One day at a time, whatever you have to do. I personally benefited from staying active, finding things to do that I could do when I could feel that beast burning inside. And I spoke a little bit last episode about uh, the voices in your head and that voice it was really really strong with me drinking really quite heavily and it was it was getting worse I, I tried a lot of techniques to shut that voice up and he just would not shut the fuck up and the small voice was just being overpowered and early in sobriety that voice was still there and he, it was almost like the voice was trying to take on a different tact it was like oh you don't need to go to meetings mate you don't you know you just kick back it was trying to draw me away from um, the things I was doing to stay sober so, you know, look out for that, your voice in your head taking on a different tact and trying to get you just to be resentful or uh, bored. You know, they say uh, idle hands are the devil's playground. Keep active or keep at meetings or do whatever it takes. To me, that voice is really, uh, he has shut the fuck up now. It's very quiet. There's, there's really not much going on in that, in that side of my brain, which is fantastic. But, you know, I'm not saying it's all bells and whistles and uh, fruits and nuts. It's... It's hard work. You just have to be very aware uh, externally of what, what helps and what doesn't. But look, as I said, I'm very, very new to this. Uh, for all I know, next episode, I'll be talking about how I've fallen and uh, starting again, in which case I will talk to you about it. Certainly, I don't have all the answers. I'm just sharing what helped me to this point. A good book that you can read is uh, Living Sober, a good a book with a lot of practical suggestions hit my email link if you have anything that you would like me to discuss thanks for listening tonight next episode i'm going to be looking as i said a little bit about aa and, and some of the misconceptions i hope you're doing well keeping healthy one day at a time that's the attic in the attic signing off for tonight look forward to sharing again next episode bye for now 